Sunderland moving forward now. Now Bronk over the top. Here's a chance for Kenwin Jones around Robinson. And Sunderland have a reprieve. Kenwin Jones, first goal of the season. It's filled by Hemmings, given away though to Pennant. Flag stays down this time. It's a chance for Jones. And he claims the hat-trick, Kenwin Jones. Welcome to Bias Brothers. This episode, we have a special guest. Just to highlight some of, some of his achievements, he originally from South Trinidad, former St. Anthony's Intercall winner, former under-17, 2001 World Cup player and first stopper, former Southampton, Sunderland, Stoke and Cardiff City player. He scored against Manchester United, home and away. Nevy of Strike Squad player, Philbert Jones, former national team skipper, Kevin Jones. Kevin, welcome to... Bias Brothers. Also, not to forget, TTFA Player of the Year in 2007, 9, 11, and 13. Welcome to Bias Brothers, Kenwin. How are you? I'm, I'm good, even though something's still missing, but I'm good. <laughs> There's a very long CV, but <laughs> nice, nice, nice to be here. Yeah, it's still, but, still have quite a few stuff missing, but that's all right. Well, as I see here, half an hour here, just called another achievement. But thankful <laughs> to have you here, and it's a big person to have on the show, basically just based on your experience in playing in the Premier League, the last Trinidad being player into my memory that we had in the Premier League, and yeah. that's achievement in itself, yeah. so basically thankful just to have you on the show. So we're going to get things going by also just going back to my be a sad point for you, we just want to talk about the impact with, and the impact on your career probably of Nigel Groves, now. Nah? rest in peace, probably oh. as a young player, and then as a Newton coach with QRC over the last few years. Do you want to just give us some information on that and how that went? Well, at this point, at this point, it's not, um, it's not about sadness for me. You know, I'm, I'm happy. I'm blessed that I had the opportunity to come up under such an influential, strong, caring hand in coach Grosner. Um, he was a major influence, especially for myself and I uh, could comfortably say a thousand others. You know, um, he's he's been influential in their lives in 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 all big matters. I would say because not 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 everyone is destined to become the professional footballer. Is something very hard to do, but I know he would have made a big impact in steering a lot of young guys on the right path and even pushing them onto being successful, whether it be in sports. Or in any other career that they choose, you know, um, I've seen it firsthand where he's he's he he's brought um guys who in society are supposed to become a statistic and change their lives around to the point where now some of them are doctors, lawyers, that type of thing, you know. So he was um, very influential. To, 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 to all all our past brothers from St. Anthony's and even people who didn't go to St. Anthony's, um, they have countless stories, countless, countless stories of his influence and his infectious nature and the hand that he had on them. So I am, it was a sad moment, yes, at the time that he passed, but also there's a lot to, to revel in, in his, his life being here on this earth for 61 years. You know, he I, I think he 
fulfilled his purpose and that is something uh, you know i would i would love to be able to to emulate fulfilling my purpose you pick up any coaching tips or anything from how was working with him as a coach uh um he was he was he wasn't a coach per se you know he was uh what they they call in in the modern world uh, a man manager um he know how to 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 pull you out from the depths you know how to get your fire up how to get you going um you know most of the players that he had had natural ability but that willingness to work and to dig deep and to uh, to keep pressing on is something that he could have you know pull from anywhere and influence anyone to be able to do that he's a person that you would go to war for so one of those that 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 for me was is one of the most important tools because i would have gone on in my life to to play under managers that should or should have had that in their arsenal for different players or different situations even myself going on to to lead you know um, leading locker rooms lead the national senior team lead the under 20 national team lead national under 23 um teams in my career i this something that you have to develop as well being able to to get the masses going to get the troops to 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 pull from the depths when they um when it seem to not to not have any more so is 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 one of the his biggest qualities and is something that i try to emulate um, throughout my life Okay, no problem. Well, you touch on the national team. Uh, you had a full career with, in, that most players probably did don't have in terms of at the inter-club level, also at the under some things, and then also transition into the national team, the senior national team. But we want to take it back to the under seventeen World Cup in Trinidad here in two thousand one. How was that experience? Mm-hmm. How was that playing in a different position from your senior national team career? How was that euphoria playing in Trinidad in front of the home crowd at such a young age? Well, it was a it was a milestone, I would say. You know, it was the culmination of 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 that level of football for me. Um, playing in school and in Tacol and that type of thing, you know, you would have had what you thought was a big crowd. But it's only when I um, I, I joined the national under fifteen and we started touring and going to different countries and playing their teams in front of their crowds. that that is when i i started um being exposed to you know those type of 40,000 numbers 50,000 numbers so playing in front of the home crowd um for the tournament was you know the culmination of of all of that it it wasn't an overwhelming thing for me because like i said the build up towards that um i think was very instrumental in being able to handle the moment of course you're going to have some news when you when you you know in, in when you're in the tournament and in front of your home crowd but at the same time is something that that goes away once the game um starts um it was amazing it was an amazing experience um for myself and for my other teammates to to be on that type of trajectory to to reach the to, to well to partake in a tournament like that because we didn't have to qualify being the host of the tournament but uh, at the same time is something I, i i believe that 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 stoked my fire even more to to continue to press on to 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 achieve you know the professional career that i had 
Okay, no problem. But back then you was playing for Sapa, I believe. Uh, you transitioned well, uh, in the in the and you know the, as always have to clear this up for people in that in that tournament. I um, or three months before the tournament, um, I learned to be uh, a man marker for C because in those days they used to play three five two with the sweeper instead of a yeah. flat. Actually, yeah. so I was one of the man markers at that time. Before that time, I have never played defense in my life. So, um, you know, we the, we got rid of, well, the Federation got rid of the Nigerian coach that we had and brought in Rene Simoes, the Brazilian coach, three months before the tournament. And he wanted tall, big defenders. So the tallest out of the lot. And the most skillful, with the most understanding, he, he, you know, he put us in the back there. But every time he would put me in the back there, when I go back to school, I'm going back to my normal midfield and striking position. And it was not defending, wasn't something that I liked, um, something that I could do because I learned how to do it. But it's not something that I liked. So it wasn't really a transition from the back to the front for me. You know, um, going then to the back a was wrong a transition. It is it is wrong because people saw me on that stage of the under seventeen at that tournament because it was the biggest tournament playing that position. But anybody that 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 knows in school, I I, I never touch a defense position. You know that that wasn't my natural position. I, but you you, you really must know that he has started playing center forward in England. So glad you could actually get a chance to act to clear it up. No, absolutely not. But the thing is, yes, I would say due to my ability to learn positions, I did that for under 17, I did it for under 20. Um, when we used to play the Youth Pro League, I was playing for W Connection. They would put me in the, in the back to play there because they wanted to move me for that position to stay there. And it's not something that I like. But in the games, when, we, when we're done or we're drawing and we needed to win, in the last few minutes, go up front, score a goal, we win the game, and that be that. So it's not a it's not a case of me or that is my position. It's something that I picked up. Um, I was told during that time, was able to excel in it, and it added to my versatility as a player. Okay, no problem. So as we talk about spoke about England, your time at Stoke City, your time at Sunderland. Where you think you performed best? Where you think was prime Kenwin? Some people say Sunderland, some people say Stoke. Where, how do you feel about it? I think it was Sunderland. <laughs> to me, they, 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 I, I no, cannot defend. They they, 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 they were both different periods, you know. Um, Sunderland, I only had two full years, or if if you add if you add the time up, I had one full season. The next year, I was injured for half the season, and then. Um, the next season, I think I um, had half a season and left. Um, to be honest with you, it was like I say, it's different periods. I don't, I wouldn't count it as oh, I was, you know, my most fruitful time was there. Um, Sunderland was a decent time. I just based on to the scene in the in the in the Premier League. That is because I was at Southampton before that and was having a decent time there as well. Um, and then Stoke was a more maturing part of myself that 
obviously came into the combination of us getting into the Europa League and the FA Cup final and that type of thing. So I I don't look at any one of those periods as my most you know productive time. I think I was playing in the FA Cup final. Oh, that was that was that was amazing. Um, playing, playing in front of ninety thousand people. I mean, that wasn't overwhelming. You know, the overwhelming factor for me was playing at Wembley. Wembley's that would be the new reopen Wembley. Yes, Wembley is the home of football. You know, a lot of people dream to play there. Um, I know my dad and my uncle definitely had that dream to play there, and I was able to bring my dad over so he could watch the semi-final and the final yeah. at Wembley. Um, it was one of the best feelings ever. Yeah. You know, um, and we and we and <laughs> we we lost one nil. I think it was a very unlucky to lose that game. And very much so, very yeah. much so. But then at the same time, sometimes. Um, you know, not undervaluing the, 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 the talent that our squad had, but we were playing against Man City with Toure and Tevez. So those players that had that special type of, 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 of quality, you would expect them at some point in time to, to produce something that, that would win the game. And, you know, um, I mean, we, we did the best that we could up until the goal. And then after that, I think I had a... I wouldn't even say a 50-50 chance. It was sort of like a 60-40, 70-30 kind of chance going in with the keeper. But, you know, it's not one of them things that that that, that you could do anything differently when it when it came around. You, know? you are what the, you are the um, two children to play in the FICA final. Well, there's only three of us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's only three of us. That's 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 those those things more than well a byproduct of, of of being where I was and and those are the things that I I, I cherish most. You know, um, being you know one of three players that had a long career in the Premier League um, over ten years, probably one of one two three four players to play in the Premier League or five players to play in the Premier League, you know, um, is not something that you see every day where a nation of 1.4 million people, maybe 1.5 million people um, in the Caribbean and England is probably uh, 6,000, 7,000, 8,000 miles from here in a system that, you know, people who have that at their doorstep all trying to, to get into people from the rest of the world trying to get into. So I I am I'm, I'm I am thankful that I had the opportunity to to be able to make that journey and and experience that part of my life in, in that way. All right, no problem. Scarlett I the public who is the next one that ended up in the Africa final. That was right. You can't shock her as well. <laughs> That is it. That is it. I don't know if, well, obviously, you're not going to remember this, but I got a picture with you in 2009, so I was grateful for that. Where was the study stadium? At the airport, actually. The airport? Yeah, by KFC, by KFC side. Well, I can, I guess, what I mean, KFC started. It was with you and Carlos Edwards. Oh yeah, we was probably going back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. 
because they didn't make it <laughs> so I'm the only one I'm the only one you know out of the family line but again at the same time you know um, it's something that um, um, a moment that I'm proud of I'm proud of the fact that I was able to have that sort of connection with my uncle um, him because I can remember being five years old when they you know in 89 when they had the the game just knowing that it was a big moment and euphoria and everything yeah. and then being able to have him there at the world cup it was an amazing thing for me because you know that's, that 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 is that is lineage and i mean him and my dad are the people that i grew up seeing play football yeah. mind you football was my number one sport i i wanted to be a sprinter Mm. So yes. Yeah. Serious. But yeah, very much so. I, mean, I, was at, I was I was very I was very good at all sports to be honest with you. The only reason I didn't um to you know to be a sprinter is that when I went to St. Anthony's College they had no athletics program. You know, QRC is a place that have an athletics program. You get pushed towards the club. Me okay, coming yeah. from where I come from, I was playing what it had in school. I understand that because I know it was uh, at Naps. When I went to Naps, um, I came from Benedicts, and I was at the peak of my athletics, mm-hmm. athletics um journey. Now when I, when I went to Naps, mm-hmm. I didn't really have an athletic program, and then I, I switched to athletic yeah. to football from athletics. To football. Yeah, yeah, you just play whatever is around because I mean. Representing in Central Zone, I was always always one of the top youths in Central. You know, I used to do 100, 200, 400, 800, um, high jump, long jump, that type of thing. So I, it's something that I used to thrive on and also I used to play cricket as well. But being all-rounded in all sports and being good at it was, um, you know, it was something in the blood. But getting to St. Anthony's, it was just, all right, what it happened there, that's what I'll play. Um, so... You know, having the connection with him, being able to obviously create history for Trinidad and Tobago, something that took 25 years after their time, um, was amazing. It was amazing to have that connection and also, you know, being able to, to, to make history for the country and to leave a legacy for our family that will forever live on in something that you can't take away. You didn't play the Sweden game, but how did it feel to earn your first World Cup point for Trinidad? Um, it's amazing. Again, at the same time, I think we were having a good time because, you know, those type of tournaments are for consistent performers and regulars, really and truthfully. The bigger yeah, teams who are yeah. not overawed by the occasion because they are always there. You know, um, for us, the experience of it, though we wanted to, you know, yes, of course, win a game and 
you know, that 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 type of tournament takes a certain um, know-how, I would say. Um, so we were fresh, fresh to the party, but also very happy to be able to participate. And, you know, for, for a lot of the players, um, some of the competition that we were playing against, players that we were playing against, is some who, you know, you've been rubbing shoulders with, but at the same time, is a different unit, is a different atmosphere. So, you know, it, it was great. It was great to get the point. Um, amazing feeling. And, you know, long may that live on, but hopefully we'll be able to qualify for another World Cup in the yeah. future. All right. Um, it was 80, I think it was 80 to 82 minutes. We held England scoreless. So all we, we think we could have probably tweaked back then to kind of bring out the results. Or do you think that was destined that we had to lose that game? And it's not a fact that we were destined, you know. Um, like I say, um, the regulars, the, the 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 teams that know how to win at that level of competition is something we didn't have because we're not accustomed. We were suffering from not accustomed <laughs> in Trinidad slang. But England you know, do, England does have a tendency to like slip games against smaller teams. Yeah, they they will slip, but at the same time, you know. Quality outlasts quantity, you know. So the, the the quality of players that they had in their team is something that you cannot deny. And the only thing that could have stopped them from winning the game is them switching off, which is something that they can allow, obviously. Um, for for Dwight, he had a lot of friends there. Um, who he was playing against, his peers. At that time, I wasn't in the Premier League yet. I was still um, in the championship with Southampton. So, and Shaka himself as well. Um, yeah, Shaka was so, at West Ham at the time. Yeah, so they... Um, yeah, just did in the final curve, yeah. Yeah, they, they, you know, they, they are custom. They know the type of quality for us. We're, we're trying to find our feet and to do the mm. best we can because... Like I say, it's a stage where we're not accustomed being, and and our quality was not as great as theirs. You know, you know, no disrespect to Trent Tamigo, but it was not as great. So, you know, we we did the best that we could at that at that at that point, and you know, I think we 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 gave a good account of ourselves. But that was that was that was life off the pitch at the World Cup. But how was life off the pitch in Germany? How did people treat? It was great, you know. Um, of course, you'd had scores of people coming over from Trinidad and mixing within the town, us being infectious with our culture. Um, we had the whole place singing soca. Um, I mean, you could uh, tell the, the kind of um, influence that our fans had on, 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 on the places that we played. And of course, you always have people buy a hotel because, again, just like for us, playing the game is a historic moment. There's a euphoria. It was like that for the fans as well. It's something that some people thought they would have never seen in their lifetime because we had close calls back in 73 and 89. And now that we made it in, in 2005 and get to the World Cup in 2006, you know, people were just excited. So, mm-hmm. you know, in a park, you have people singing. A woman come down from India with Chris Garcia. You have Germans who, who just whine into soccer. They never hear before. And they just, you know, 
enjoying themselves and I'm, I'm happy that we were able to display our culture and our people on, on, on in a different country to, to that extent. Okay, so you spoke about the Premier League, you spoke about the World Cup. What do you think the nation of Trinidad and Tobago is missing that we could get? I know we have a number of hopefuls that we could get another player into the Premier League. And what do you think we need to do to get Trinidad and Tobago back into our World Cup contention? Well, to be honest with you, I think culture has to change. You know, our culture of how we work. Um, our culture of how we... we attend to that work, our culture of how we do administration. I still believe it is my it is my opinion that still Trinidad and Tobago, we are not fans. We're not fanatics. Um, also, I know a lot of people, you know, being around, being around, you know, a lot of local players and whatnot. I still don't think that people have the mentality like as if this is you know, do or die. And I think also society has a part to play because I don't think that we respect sport as a career. You know, um, if if that was so, I think we'd have a different mindset when it comes to the players and the way that we administrate and the way we do business um, for sport. But, but that's not the case. So we have a holistic change to make. Um, everyone has to play their part. The, the football, the, the coaching, the administrators, you know, because a lot of people would say that we need more transparency transparency in our administration, more accountability, that type of thing. So I think it's a, a, a holistic thing that, that needs to be done. Also, I think people need the blueprint of how things should be set up. And we're not talking about national teams. Your national teams um, reap the products or the produce of the clubs around so if your club is playing at a low level and the best players who are playing at a low level, when they get to, to the international stage, we're not going to do well. Because no. if you have personal performance and winning a game at low. 60%, when you go on the international level, you can't give that same 60% that you can't win a game. You can because all the clubs on the international stage, they are always playing at 110% every time. So when they go and meet their national teams, is only right that you, you go there with that level. I'm not saying that people don't give 100% when they're playing for their clubs or they're playing for the country. What I'm saying is that our level of competition is very low. So it's a lifetime. It's, 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 yeah, because like I say again, we don't take it seriously. It's not, and that, and that is not a job at players. I mean, holistically. We yeah, holistically. Even some, in some yeah. quarters, they say that um, they would have liked that even Minister Sport actually be somebody who's a fanatic of sport. That sport yeah, would be a gentle approach. Being, being a fanatic of sport for the minister is not going to change the way things should be done. Um, the minister or in the government, they are there to, to, to assist. They're not there to take over. Um, football or any sport as a matter of fact, it's a private entity. So privately, if we are not up to the standard to be able to run a proper league and have decent administration, you can't expect the minister to do anything. They can't eat because they have, remember, they have sport on the whole, the country to take care of. They can't just look after a league. 
And even okay. when they try to assist the league, there are problems with clubs because there's not enough accountability going on. So if that's the case, how 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 are we going to get better? But was it um, was the better? case was the case now? How how things is now? Was that the same as when you were playing with the national team, like in two thousand six, seven, eight? Uh, to, be, to, to be honest, I would think so. I would think so. I well, sorry, I believe so. The fact of me being part of the national team for so long, for 14 years, I've been playing for the senior team, right? And knowing the ins and outs, I think our administration have has always been a default, but the, 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 the band-aid that we had up to a certain time was Jack Warner, who used to be pacing out his money, so that will pace over the cracks, right? Um, but even though that is pacing over the cracks, administratively, um, I think we had a problem. We didn't have proper developmental programs. Um, we didn't have enough structured competition going on for the young ones coming up. So at the end of the day, if that is not at its um, climax, everything else would fall down. So from that time, you don't have proper youth football going on. You don't have proper developmental programs. We're reaping the benefits of that now. Well, when, when we spoke to Lasana, he mentioned that it's because we don't have enough people, well, we don't have anybody in high places, like, okay, it's like how Jack Warner was the president of Concaca. We don't have anybody in those kind of positions. And he said that that is hurting Caribbean and Concaca football as a whole because when you have a Canadian president, he is not, you know, really taking on the Caribbean. He only studying yeah. America, yeah, but, Mexico, Canada. Yeah, but uh, at that level, right? At that level, you can't be worried about um, who is at the head of CONCACAF or who is at the head of CFU. You can't worry about that because that is there for international competition. And like I say, the national teams reap the produce of the club structure, right? If our league is not at its best, where we can reap the best players when we go into competition, because at the end of the day, no matter what you do, the FIFA funding and FIFA aid and on all these things, that is standard. It would be there, right? But if we don't run proper developmental programs, if our league is at a low level, sometimes functioning, sometimes not functioning, that means we're not going to be producing players with the best talents and consistently doing that. So if you're not consistently doing that, at some point in time, you're going to fall short on, in, on the national circuit. And then what, what do you think is going to happen on the international circuit? The president could be somebody from Australia. It does not matter. Because what they cannot deny is your talent and your ability to produce results. If our national teams are winning and in the top in competitions, they will have no choice but to give us a look. But that is not the case. I mean, back in 2000, we went to the Gold Cup semi-final. So if they're consistently in, in, in those high places, of course you're going to get the attention. It's like anything else. So you, you talk about fans. And yep. fans is a, a critical part of the game. So in Trinidad, we blessed with a number of people that believe that 
wants to kick a ball in a quick span, is a football fan with an opinion. And you have a lot of national players, people would have criticized over the period of time, over mm-hmm. generations. And I think the only person that we probably think I have never personally heard criticism of would be Russell Appleby. The criticism you would have heard of you as a player for the national team. Uh, I mean, with the experience playing in stadiums all over the world, would that have affected you at any point in time? Or did you feel as though it was mm-hmm. unwarranted or you never just make notice of it? No, absolutely not. I mean, you hear people say all kinds of things, but at the end of the day, um, in, in our country, I mean, Sinders tell a plumber how to do his job. But Carpenter tell the doctor how to do his job. You know, so a person who, like myself, who got to the level and experience that I have, um, if I would let a person who understands, who probably never even started at school football, or the furthest they reach is playing a fit match, if I let their stuff, their, their analysis affect me in any way, then I would not have deserved to, to get to the place that I've gotten to. Okay. You know, um, at the end of the day, you can, you can criticize anything. The breeze can go and you can criticize it, but the breeze have a purpose. You know, so people saying what they want and think that they know because everybody always knows. You always have a million coaches in the stands, but that's exactly where they are in the stands and not doing the job on the field. So, you know, it is what it was with them. Um, everybody have the role to play. Well, that is the same thing. I just tell people because Jumana, Jumana are referees, and everybody is a referee in this stance. Everybody say this, this decision, that decision. Uh, but when they well, give them a whistle or a flag, the card they don't, know what, <laughs> they don't know what to do. They don't know the laws of the game. Mm. You understand? So how, 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 how I've always learned one thing in my life. And I learned this from very young. My mother always told me, never argue with a fool. They will beat you with experience and bring you down to their level. So you have to leave them. If you know better than me, if you don't have what it takes to be in my shoes, then it's not making sense that that I would even take on your criticism because at the end of the day, the bird that's flying high they see everything. Mm. Always. That's a different view. Mm. But when a lion with a gazelle on the floor, that's all you see. You know, all you can see is escape routes. You know, it have no, it have no, it have no, well, oh, that's where he coming from. Well, let me get away before he even come here. No, you're always reacting because the attack springing on you at that very second. So, okay. It would have been different if the people in the fans were playing the football and the people on the field were the ones saying they were watching. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It would have been the case. You know, one, one experience that I had, and this is in England, right? It was a preseason, and a coach had a preseason game going on, and it had this fan in the stands, you know, screaming at the player, oh, you're not good. They're playing X and X amount a week, and this and that, and you can't even do this, and you can't even do that. And the coach stopped the game, told the equipment manager, go and get some kit and a boot and give it to that fan and tell him come out and play. It wasn't even five minutes before that fan said, you know what? Nah, good. 
I will never criticize another player in my life because people don't actually know what it is to play at that level mm-hmm. until again there. Mm-hmm, yeah. And most of the times, I think that you know, a lot of people is is, is they, they have a secret want to be there, but they just can't. So it comes out in all forms. So because I know the days that I am running up the hill and training, and the days that I vomit in preseason. And the days when I get injured and, mm-hmm. you know, I don't see 30, 40, 50,000 people there. You don't have that going on. So if I'm putting in work and you're not there, why would I let you or allow your criticism to phase me? It, it won't phase because you don't know the work I put in again there. Okay, so did, did it hamper your love for the national team in any way, the criticism? That way you would probably get any people Absolutely or something? Absolutely not. And, and no, I, I represented my country because I love my country. This is where I'm from. I will put Trinidad over anywhere in the world. I didn't do it because Tom in the street might like me or Harry or 30,000 people in the stadium might like me. I, I didn't represent the country for that. I represent the country because this is mine. This is one place that you cannot deport me from. I was born here. I love everything about my country and my culture. Anything after that? Is a byproduct. Okay. Um. Talk up. Talk to us about your time in the MLS with Atlanta United. How was that for you? Um. It was a nice experience. Um. The first year it was a club that was building. First year in the MLS, so a lot of things were coming together. I mean, I'm I'm made a lot of 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 of, of friends networking. Um. Had the opportunity to go and coach here, but I I wanted to. You know, put away football for a minute to just mm-hmm. relax because I've been doing this for 17 years non-stop. Mm-hmm. So I needed at that point to just relax, you know. Um, but it was good. Um, I mean, the, the, the culture and the atmosphere of football, pretty different to where I've been before. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it was a learning experience for me, uh, a welcoming experience because... At the end of the day, I've always had the, the, the thought that, you know, football should be a life experience. I mean, you know, um, I know where I'm from. I know where I'm going back to. So anywhere that I, I visit in between that, you know, enjoy the experience, enjoy the fruits. And then when it's over, I head back home. Well, you talk, about so, dif- you talk about different experience from England. You had a spell in the UAE and scored a couple of goals there. How was that experience? Yeah, yeah, I went on I went on loan there, had a part, uh, had a had, had had the opportunity to play in the Asian Champions League. Um won the, the UAE FA Cup over there. Um helped the team come from almost in relegation to finishing, I think, third or second or something like you that. Could tell us, you could tell us what team it was, I can't remember what team it was. Al Jazeera, yeah, Al Jazeera FC. Yeah, it was it was a nice experience. I mean it was it was, you know, hell hot, I would say. But it was a nice experience, you know. We'd be training at 9, 10 o'clock at night. And at that time, it's still like 30-something degrees. You know, but as the cooler part of the day, um, going to sleep at, at 6 o'clock in the morning because I don't have training till 10 o'clock in the night. You know, it was a weird, it was a weird time zone. It was a weird timing for everything, I, I guess, because of the climate. But that in itself, too, was a very nice experience. Okay, so your time in the MLS or even calling the end of your career, 
Do you think that was the right time to go? You had enough, or I know you ended with that injury that you, you felt that by the time you got back here. Do you think well, you had any more yeah. to you think that was the right time? The, 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 well, the middle of that year, I um, got injured before qualifying in Costa Rica. You know, uh, and, and after that, I did some, I, I, I did enough to probably be fit for a, a few games coming down to the end of the season. Um, after I did whatever relevant tests, I had to, I found out that I, I, in order to, to lead a normal life, not even talking sport, I would have had to do three surgeries on my knee, right? And, you know, at that point, it wasn't a scary thought because I was like, you know what, I don't want to do surgery again. It would have been the second surgery. And that type of surgery, um, I would have been bedridden for probably like two months and my recovery time was 16 months, a year and a half um, to recover. And even if I did take that year and a half at that time, I would have been coming back out at, let's say, 35, 36 or something like that. I think that I've achieved way more than I was supposed to, you know, being where I, I come from, knowing that, you know, is a one in a million chance for you to get to that point. So I didn't have any qualms about, you know, calling it quits at that point. Yes, I have a lot to offer, but sometimes, you know, the more you have to offer is not actually being the one on the field. It could be the one on the field. You understand? So I was already doing that for a lot of years in my career in the national team and in clubs, you know, helping players around me, helping younger players, that type of thing. So it wasn't a big deal for me to say, well, you know, at that point, that's it. It's not that I was missing anything out because I am pretty, I am contented and I'm pretty happy with the career that I've had and the things that I've experienced. I don't think I was missing anything out. You know, so I, I call it quits. I was I was I was at peace. I was at okay. peace with it. And okay, trust me, um, I don't, I, and up to today I don't miss it. Really? No, I don't because again, people don't understand. I don't think that people understand how how hard football is. Football is not you thinking, yeah, well, I go in the park and sweat. You know, from the time that I left this country and got to England, after my first week of football, I understood that football is a job. You know, probably 10% or 15% of footballers who, who play at the high level and play for trophies and stuff, they, they get that part of the game. Everybody else is like worker bees. You understand? So you are there, you're training hard every day, don't have time for yourself, or somebody always wants a piece of you for you to actually enjoy the things that are important in your life. You don't have to, you, you don't have the time. You have to make a lot of sacrifices where family is concerned, friends is concerned, um, your home is concerned. So it's not something that, you know, people just think, oh, well, yeah, I'm watching it from vantage point of a TV and have a beer in my hand and have some snacks, you want to eat some wings. You know, you, you, you want to do, you enjoy the game that way on a Saturday. But when that person comes out to play on a Saturday, that's like the ending of a very, very, very tough week. And still, it's human beings just like you when you get up in the morning and you, you go to work and you had to deal with Jane and Tom in them cubicles over there and you might not like that one and you're more stressing here and 
gosh, I had this work to do before then. All of those stresses that you get in your job is the same thing that you get in football. But a lot of people will understand that because we're, we are not at that level of competition in Trinidad. So that's why we can't take it seriously. But football is not a game. It's more than a game. It's not a game. It's more than a game. And that's a, that's a, that's a very true saying. It's more than a game. But only those who experienced it at that level would understand. Well, you are. Ah, you... oh, go ahead, Jomo. Go ahead. Just two things we are going to touch on again with regards to your time in England. The Glen mm-hmm. Whelan incident with the pighead. Was, that any, mm-hmm. was there any truth to that? And it was a, finally... a lot truth, truth in which regard. Okay, so give us your story on that. And also, the, there were rumors that you were going to be transferred to Liverpool, Spurs, Chelsea. Which one of these clubs you were closest to joining and well, how that experience? All of them. Uh, well, I'll answer the second before the first. Um, I was very close to joining all of them. Um, the first time I was supposed to go to Liverpool, um, got injured. Um, in between that, I was supposed to go to Tottenham. Uh, the the club tried to do some underhand things to to get me in trouble, so that deal ended up not happening. Um, Chelsea, the same thing. Um, the second Liverpool, me and a coach fell out when literally, literally today, you know, everything agreed. And just for the formalities to happen of transferring, making it official on the, on the money. And basically, me and him had a falling out, and it wasn't even falling out over anything. I just think that he was a bit prejudiced. And I'm not saying that just on the base of him not, you know, letting that transfer happen, because then he's the one that more or less made me go to Stoke in, 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 in the summer of that year. You understand? Um, is because that was the type of person he was to certain players, and you know, I could call countless players, Trinidadian players, who've had that experience with that same um, manager. But that's neither here nor there. Um, God knew the reason why I didn't end up there. So all of those, all of those went to one of the so-called top four clubs, top four, top six. Yeah. That, and which that, team do you think would have been the best fit for you and your style? I would have liked it at Chelsea. Um, you know? I would have loved I would it. Think, um, <laughs> Chelsea, Chelsea, would, Chelsea would have taken some time because they were already set in their ways, you know, where the squad was concerned. Um, Liverpool would have been very nice because twice Rafael Benitez tried to buy me. So, you know, it would have been a different mix, a different type of learning. But who knows, you know, we could only if and and at the point, the good thing about it is that I know for sure it was going to happen, but you know, certain elements stop it from happening. Which is which is which is okay. Um and on the the the, the incident with the, the pink hair thing, you know, is more or less they they took things to a level where it was at less than humane, I would say. Um, they were basically pranking each other, um, cutting laces, them kind of childish things. I wasn't involved. And one day they, they break open my locker and, and wrap my clothes in a pig head put in my locker. You know, it's not a, you know, we just play games sometimes. If a man slipped, you know, he leave his bag open or he leave something open, you know, that kind of way. 
when you're playing them pranks, it wasn't that situation. I have a combination of the break my lock. So it's like, you know, on a serious note, because they don't know my beliefs or where I come from or what certain things would mean to me. Um, come in, ask the question, do it. Nobody didn't want to say. You know, I take that matter seriously. I went outside. I was looking for a sledgehammer. I didn't find a sledgehammer. And I find in one of them um, paving bricks. I bring the brick back inside and I ask you to do it. A man passed by and whisper. And I went and deal with a man's car. It's that simple. Um, at the end of the day, if they want to talk about pranks, me personally, like I said to them, if, if I, I am not going to do a prank and hide, I'm not a child. I'm the type of person that if you want to cut my laces, yeah, that's okay. You cut my laces, we laugh about it, but I, I will burn your shoe in front of your face and then we should be able to laugh about it. You understand? If you want to prank. But I wasn't involved. And after that, the most disappointing thing to me, I think, um, is that, you know, in the end, I got fined. I got reprimanded. And the people that was involved didn't get reprimanded. And it just opened up my eyes to the nature of the place that I was in. You know, um, because not a person of the hierarchy of the club ever call me one day to say, well, you know, how this situation affects you, how you feel, this, that, or that, the other. Nothing of the sort. Nobody did anything. You know, so in the end, I look at it as I am pretty much, you think that you own me in that way. I'm not your slave. You know, you're not going to treat me like that because at the end of the day, I'm pretty sure if the tables were turned, and it happened to one of theirs. And yes, I'm saying one of theirs, meaning somebody white. It would have been a different story. It would have made the news. It would have been, and I'd probably lose my contract, X, Y, Z, the other. But nothing, nothing happened to them in the end. You know, it's it just like it gets sweep under the carpet. So from then on, if, if anything made me feel like coming home at the end of my career even more was, was that situation. Okay, Scarlett. Well, now that you are at the end of your career, um, a lot, a few of your career. Well, you're playing career. Parents. You're playing career. Yes. Yeah, you're playing career. Now that you're, you're playing career, a few of your peers <laughs> from the national team would have gone into media like Shaka and Sancho and those guys, <laughs> but you chose to go into coaching. Why do you choose to go into coaching and how is it going so far? Well, to be honest with you, I didn't choose to go into coaching. Uh, I, I, I was helping out my old coach. At the point in time, and that's just something that I'm doing for the moment. I'm I'm a jack of all trades. Um, into administration, I'm into media also. You know, I I choose when to to do certain things. It's not that I'm going to stick to one thing because I've been sticking to one thing for quite some time now. You know what I mean? So I want to switch it up and be able to express myself in 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 different sectors, and and see where that takes me. Um, you know, I've never been one to to limit my possibilities so you know whichever which one of them or if all of them are successful i, I do all you know it's, it's just that but at the moment i'm doing part coaching i'm at this present time i'm in school doing a degree in um sports management um you know i'm a i'm a budding enthusiast i'll say because i care i, I care about my country so I'm involved in a little politics as well. Um, wherever that leads, it leads. But at the same time, all in all, everything that I do is for the betterment of my country. 
um, the things that go on, the things that we need to see, because, you know, we're, we're all, most of the people in the country are fans. We never like to start with, with ourselves first. We always like to sit in the bleachers and say, well, this one not doing this and that one not doing that. And who should be doing X and who should be doing Y when we ourselves, the individual, choose to do nothing but yet criticize. So I choose to do something. It was coaching a school. It was... Yeah, I see. Still coaching them. Right, still uh, coaching them. Yeah, how was the, um, the Premier Division last season? Well, I didn't. I, I took up that job at January this year. Um, two years ago, I was assistant to deceased Nigel Grosner. Um, did well, and after he left, they contacted me to, to be the head coach. This was supposed to be my first season. I was done in the mood again, the team prepared and everything. Yeah. <laughs> to do some damage in the season, but unfortunately, we have the, um, the pandemic going on. So we just have to wait and see what, you know, when things open up, how, 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 how football is going to, or sport is going to move forward, and then we'll take it from there. I mean, as much as I want to see you succeed, uh, I hope you, you lose both games. Well, I hope you lose the naps. <laughs> I, hope, I hope you beat naps well, and you lose the benefits. Well, what, what I would say is, is that I am building from within the school. I'm not going to go to Bego. I'm not going to go to the North. I'm not going to go to the East or the West to look for players to bring to the school so that I can have the best team talent-wise. I am a person, I like to coach. Coaching means teaching. So if I cannot coach and teach and get my players better than they are for them to improve, then it means I can't do my job properly. So where do you see Coach Jones going? Where do you see Coach Jones going? Where do you see Coach Jones' career taking off the go? Well, it can go anywhere. Um, I just turned 36 this year. You know, God willing, I have a long life to live. So you have a lot of years for anything to happen. Um, if coaching is what I am meant to do, I'm pretty sure that I will find my way in the to the to the highest height. Um, like I said, as soon before I even retired, I had the opportunity to coach in Atlanta's academy. But I didn't. I, I wanted to give football a little. A little rest, you know. I wanted to decompress from it all. So, I mean, I have a lot of networks out there. If I want to end up in coaching, I can. But me personally, if I have to coach, I have to coach at home first. At, at least help the youth um, try and expand their, their, their mind a little bit and, and, and give them a taste of what it is like on the professional circuit so that they would have the knowledge to go about whatever path they choose in, you know. Um, I can't just, I'm not just going to leave and say, well, uh, just because I want to do a job, I'll coach somewhere in some other country. I, I like home. I like home. And I'll continue to like it. Okay. Um, so you think you think um, you would want a position as a national team coach, whether it's under 17, under 20? Well, last year, was it last year? Yeah, last year I was assistant in the under 17. We took them to... Um, to Florida for a tournament, got them to the second round, which no national team had done for a long time, you know, since probably like 2009 or something like that. So I had a really nice experience with that. I, I like that with, with that type of, yeah, I had, I had, I, I, <clears throat> I like working with, with that type of age group because that's the age group that, you know, 
<clears throat> that's supposed to be moving on to the next step. And also, it's it's what I like to call the the I know stage. You know, that's a stage where you know everything. You know, you've only been existing on Earth for such a short time, but you know everything. Everything they tell you, oh my, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. But, you know, it's, it's a very good age group to work with, and, you know, I enjoy that. And who knows, who knows if, if in the future things would move up a level, it will, who knows where it will go. I, I can't say right now. Well, this was a topic I was doing for a research paper, and um, mm-hmm. I was wondering why former players don't go into refereeing. Like, why refereeing is in, not an option? Into refereeing? Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> the referees, the guys, is, is the people everybody loves to hate. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, again, uh, I mean, myself, I've had very good rapports with referees you know, in my professional career, even on the international stage, you know. But refereeing was n- never something I, I, I looked at as, as being a, a, a career or even a pastime of mine. I'm sorry. That's not a good place to enjoy the game from. <laughs> <laughs> so just to ask another question, even after players, after the game, we talk about um, Dwight, you're complaining about opportunities to not be a manager. Raheem Sterling mm-hmm. saying he's looking at the executives. You don't see anybody looking at him. And even to touch mm-hmm. on your, your information from Glenn Whelan, which you guys are not touching one of their boys. What do you mm-hmm. think about the Black Lives movement in terms of players kneeling before matches, etc., and exposing different racist experiences would have had in England? How do you feel well, about it? Have you, would you have well, been experienced at any point in time? And yeah, I've, I've, ex- I've, I have experienced racism you know, throughout my career, and yes, right in England. Um, I have a very militant view towards the movement. When I say I'm not a person, I am proud. I am a, I'm proud to be black. I am proud to be where I'm from. I have never seen myself, even amidst the, you know, the encounters that I've had with racism as inferior to anyone. I've never... You know, sorry, just now somebody, um, somebody in bad time, and I apologize <laughs> to the people out there. But yeah, I've never felt in, I've never felt inferior and never thought that you know I had to beg for a place. I, I believe that I worked for my place to get to where I had to get to. So a lot of these players now is a recurring theme for me. Yes, the players highlighting it, which they have to do. I believe in exposing them. But sometimes some of the rhetoric that I've seen from the older folks who've passed through the racism as well is as if they're towing a line because they still want to be able to keep their jobs and you know get opportunities themselves. I I look at it as a, a you know for want of a better term, a black and white matter. At the end of the day. Are you going to give me the chance or not? Am I good enough or not? Because you cannot tell me a player with Dwight York's experience and career and his coaching education, which I think he's going to do his UEFA Pro, which is the highest level of of coaching education out there. You cannot tell me that so many times there's not an opportunity there for him. But yet still, you will pass the job to Tom, Dick, Harry, or Jeffrey. If, they, if, 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 if 
you know, if Jeffrey comes into play. It is amazing that would happen. So it has to be yeah, something yeah. more than that. And then, Even like with I Aston say, Villa, yeah, I think it could get a job with Aston Villa. Did you know where any Aston Villa academy for somebody like that? Let like me that? tell you something. Let me, let, let me tell you something. People, again, and this is, Trey and Tobago have a different viewpoint. Dwight is more of a legend at Aston Villa than he is at Man United. Agreed. That much I can tell you. Why is it? Career wise. I've worked what man you would for Aston Villa from what eighty-nine or eighty-seven? Till ninety-nine. I mean, yes, he won the Champions League and a few league FA Cup there. But he played for that he played for that club for a long time. He is a legend over there. I've I've been through the halls of that place. I've seen his pictures everywhere. It's like a museum. So if you're telling me when Aston Villa was in championship and he went to apply for the job and he couldn't even get a look into the part of the setup. And then they tell all the black managers in England that, you know, you have to go and cut your teeth, you know, and get some experience. You might get a job at a League Two club or assistant in some way. But they never hire them for top managerial positions in championship or, 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 or the Premier League. Premier Why League. is that? What makes you so different? What what makes you so different than a soul sire? What makes him so different? And I could guarantee you now because I've played on a soul sire, he is a better manager than 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 soul sire. So what does that tell you? It tells you a lot. No, again, fans who on the outside watching it will say this, that, that, and the other. No, I'm telling you from being a person who's been in the midst of this. They are racist. As much as they might try to hold up banners and they might try to have um, movements Me, going on, and yes, we want to talk about this. They, they're, not, they're not doing anything to actually change it because at the end of the day, doing something means making a decision. It's an action. It's not talk. So you can talk and come up with the ruler programs to educate people, but if I... Um, the owner of such club, and I don't take action and say, yes, I'm going to hire you, then nothing is going to change them. So they could come up with black, Asian, minorities, whoever, whatever groups they want to call it. They could come up with, with any kind of group to appeal for change. But it's not going to happen. Because at the end of the day, for you, if you have to get bread, you're not going and say, you know what, Oliver, we need to get bread, you know. And why nobody not going and get bread? Mm-hmm. You know, maybe we should come up with a plan so people could, somebody could go in the grocery to get bread. No. Bread, you're hungry, you're going to get up, go in the shop, buy it, bring it home. That's the action. Because the need for it is there. So if the need for, for, for black managers is there, and taking nothing to give them the same opportunity, but at the same time, like I say, they are racist. Because even though in some of them in their lives, in coming out and saying, well, I don't like black people, or in have a racist thing to say, their subconscious thought and action, because of what they have been taught all their lives, and how they view us, always says differently. Interesting insights for the man himself. Interesting insight. Hey, Kevin, yeah, give us more than we 
expected too much. I mean, we could talk all day. Yeah, we could do this all day. Yeah, carry us to places we didn't think we'd reach. No, all well, I mean, I can, I can, I can. If it's one thing I've, I've, I've tried to be during my lifetime, is truthful, truthful of experience. You know, I, I don't. There's, there's no more fame that I can gather by making up a story. So, so point for us to get that kind of insight, whereas we just see the TV and the crowd and the passion and all these things, they try to sell it to, to get this kind of insight. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, I mean, it's like, it's like, it's like the girl on Instagram. Yeah, you see the girl on Instagram that looking real hot is the filters, the lipstick is the whatever, the surrounding, <laughs> all that kind of thing, you know. But when you bounce it up in real, it's a different story. You'll be like, wow, no, that is not you from the picture. Uh, <laughs> I like that. You know, it's, it, it's, it's, it's exactly how it is. It's exactly how it is. All right. Well, oh, before, we go, before we go, before we go, I, I just want to say that I had the honor watching you play live. I saw you um, in Trinidad against Panama for 2018 World Cup qualifiers at ah. Easley. You won the Romelino score. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I watched yeah, you play live, and it was an honor. It was an honor. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, 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 I'm appreciative of that side. I'm appreciative of that. Um, you know, Every time not, we face the national team, we appreciate you don't, it. You don't really get, you don't really get that too much, and then, and then too, that's not something that I really live on. You know, I'm, I'm not bothered by that. I'm, I'm happy to get up every day and be able to see the sunshine. You know, and give thanks for that too. Because at the end of the day, in 10 years' time, I may be forgotten. If somebody else, they have to worry about what they will fanaticize, you know what I mean? So, you know, I'm thankful for the time that I played, for the things I was able to do, and the impact I was able to have. And, you know, long may that continue because football is something that is ever producing, ever living, and will continue to recycle and regurgitate players. So, hopefully, in the future, we'll have a lot more Shaka Islam, Dwight York, Carlos Edwards, Rustin Lacker, Peasley, Anson Lewis, Philbert Jones, and the list goes on and on, um, you know, to talk about in the future. Okay, we just want to thank you for taking your time out from your day to come on to Brass Brothers. So, thank you a lot. We appreciate it. it. Yeah, Kenny, it was nice. Yeah, no we problem. All you do, all you take, I'm happy that all you decide to to do something of this sort, you know, because at the end of the day, you have to, you have to think outside the box. Yeah. And for the people that know, for the people that don't know, is good education for them. Because yeah. so they can do anything. Thanks for all the time. Enjoy the day. All the best for the coaching. Right. Make sure. Your Oma beating up, sir. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> but whatever I put, Benedict, I will take. But you have to beat up. Yeah, I mean, I beat Benedict in KRC two years ago. We hit them uh, show up in KRC. So no, we beat, we didn't no beat all in KRC after the boy died. I think after Will Tyson died, we beat all up in KRC. Last year, was the last year, all the ones that played in KRC. That was probably the year before. Yeah, the year before. But I know, I know, I know, no, I know 2018 mm. when I only. With them four pilgrims because Carrington is all the coach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He plays the coach right now. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. We, we perform them some four nice ones. No worries. <laughs>
Alright, Kevin, thanks again. Alright, yeah, brother. So let's stay up. Thanks for coming on. You too. Yeah, man. Yeah, man.